Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Let's pretend for a moment that I had a winning lottery ticket in my pocket. Um, I read, I Googled it. Um, I think the mega millions or whatever it is, it's like, it's like almost up to a billion dollars right now. Let's just pretend I have a winning lottery ticket right here in my pocket. And I told you that I was going to leave here and I was going to um, drive this winning lottery ticket down to the St. Louis Arch and I was going to set it underneath there and I was going to then walk away. I was just going to leave it. And the first person uh, to get that ticket could have it free and clear. No exceptions, no fine print. How many of you would make that attempt to go get that ticket? We have five honest people in the room. <laughs> Seriously, though, I mean, if that, if that was a legit situation, if that was a re- real, like, I think probably all, I, we'd probably leave now. Like, we wouldn't wait. Like, we would just go. What would you miss out? What would you miss out on to find that ticket? Would you cancel lunch with a friend? You can buy new friends for a billion dollars. Would you allow yourself to be late for an appointment? Would you cancel that meeting? Would you leave your kids without checking them out of J-Kids? <laughs> Billion dollars pays for a lot of therapy. <laughs> Would you talk to someone you don't know? Would you ask a stranger? Would you speed? Would you park illegally downtown? Would you run? Would you be willing to look foolish in front of other human beings? What would you miss out on? What would you risk? What would you give up? If I told you it was a ticket worth $10, it would probably be nothing. That's an inconvenience. But a billion dollars, billion dollars represents a new life, represents a fresh start. That job you're stuck in doesn't matter anymore. You can leave it. You can decide if you want to work ever again. Those student loans you've been trying to pay off, doesn't matter, gone. You can decide what you want to do, where you want to go, that vacation you've been scraping and saving to go on, that experience that you want, that you're hoping to be able to have in six months or next year. It's all there. It's all available for you. You can eat the food you want, travel where you want, drive what you want, live where you want, afford the best health care. You can ensure everything in your life. There's a life that we want. Like we're really honest with ourselves. There's a, honest with ourselves. There is a life that we want. And there is a promise in our culture that surrounds us that says, you can have it. You can have the life that you want. If, fill in the blank, if we work hard enough. That's a message we hear. You work hard. You, there's a life that you want. You just gotta work hard enough. If you're kind enough, if you're good enough, if, you, if you've got good morals, like good things come to good people. If you're attractive enough, or if you accept yourself enough, really a lot of them, it comes down to like, can you, if you just accept yourself, then you can have the life that you want. Fill in the blank, the list of potential answers are endless from the world we live in. We all want 
something. Like if we're honest, like I think where we live often is like, this is our life right here, okay, right here. And then there's something that we want that's right here. We often live in this space. Like there is, there is, there is something that we're trying to get to. We want a fresh start. We want our debt erased. We want less relational baggage, less family drama. Can I get an amen? amen? Less stress at work, less difficulty passing our classes. Like we want success. We want freedom. We want happiness. And we're, we're here, we're here in our life, right? We're sitting, wherever you're sitting right now in your seat, like if you're here, there's probably something that you want that you're trying to get to. It's right in front of you. If you've recently made a life decision, started a new job, heading off to college, trying a new hobby, moving, most likely you've made that decision because you believe that it will make your life better. It will somehow make you either happier now or in the long run. And in this world, there is no end to the earthly treasures that you can pursue that promise to be the treasure that you are looking for. The treasure of family, of marriage, of career, of promotion, of success, of brand name clothing, of vacations, of comfort. But Jesus tells us there's another treasure. He says there's another reality. There's another kingdom, he says. We've been walking through many of the parables that Jesus spoke of. And Jesus teaches us that there is this kingdom, the earthly kingdom, the kingdom that we wake up in every morning, the kingdom that we're surrounded by, the culture, the, the world that we live in. There is an earthly kingdom. But he comes pronouncing something new. He says, but there's the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' message through the, the gospels is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he uses these parables to describe what the kingdom of heaven is like, and he, he puts them in, in contrast to one another. It's another reality, it's another dimension. And in our text today, Jesus puts two people in front of us, a man and a merchant. Both of them find something of such significant value, it transforms their life, it causes them to do a 180, it causes them to do something radical, the first is a man who finds a treasure in a field which with Jesus's audience would have been a real possibility. They didn't have a banking system like we do now. When people back in Jesus's day had precious treasure, when they had things of great value, it wasn't uncommon for them to actually go and bury that somewhere, literally hidden treasure. Because to the strong go the spoils and they wanted to protect what they had. And so to protect it from those who would plunder, for those who would take, for someone who was stronger than them, they went and they would hide it. And sometimes when people who owned lands and possessions and had hidden treasure would pass away, they wouldn't tell anybody where it was. It's a real possibility in Jesus' day that someone could come upon a treasure in a field. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who comes upon this treasure in a field. And what does he do? He liquidates everything that he has so that he can go and buy the field. Think about that for just a moment, how radical that is. He sold everything that he had, every piece of property, every possession, 
everything that he has, he sells it all so that he can go by this field. And there seems to be some immediacy with this. Like he doesn't seem to pause. He doesn't seem to take long in this parable. It's like he finds the treasure. He does this. He obtains the field. Doesn't seem to care what people think about him. No hesitation, no pause. To others, this just like, looks like a normal field. People probably questioned him about this. Why are you investing in this worthless field over here? It's just a field. Why are you selling all of this? Why are you doing this? This is a terrible financial decision. But see, where they saw a field, he saw a future. Where they saw a field, he saw a future. He had uncovered something of significant value that shaped everything that he had. We can't miss that it says in the first example that he sold his possessions. It says he went in joy. With joy, he sold his possessions. How can you give everything up you have with joy? Sell that car. Sell that Nintendo. Is Nintendo a thing still? I'm, it's, switch. It's more relevant. Sell that house. How many of us would sell everything that we have without a slight pause, with like a slight heartbeat, a little trepidation? Is this worth it? There's no trepidation in this man. With joy, he goes and sells everything. Why? Because what he found in the field wasn't even comparable to what he had. We need to, get, we need to realize, realize this. Like, it's not even a sacrifice. Like, because what he found in the field was so much better. Better in every regard. And then Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like this merchant who upon finding one great precious pearl goes, and he does the same thing. He sells it all. He releases all that he has to receive something new. You know what the merchant doesn't do after he finds the pearl of great price? He doesn't search anymore. He's been searching, he's been searching, he's been searching. He finds the pearl. The searching is over. Jesus is telling us that in the kingdom of heaven, there is joy and there is final fulfillment. It's really important to distinguish that. There is joy and there is final fulfillment. See, there are things in life that we find some fulfillment in. But how many of you have lived long enough and experienced something that really brought you a lot of joy and a lot of fulfillment at first now doesn't quite bring you the same fulfillment and the same joy? Jesus is telling us that in the kingdom of heaven, there is final joy, final fulfillment, that it's like a treasure. It's like the best thing we've ever seen or ever experienced. It's life-changing. It's radical and when we find it, we're finally at rest, at peace. We're satisfied. We don't have to keep looking, keep figuring it out. The search is over. And if I'm honest, that doesn't always describe my life. And perhaps that doesn't always describe your life. We tend to go on searching, searching for a little more happiness. Who doesn't want a little more happiness? A little more comfort a little more of something, something. But these guys seem to have found something that satisfies them beyond the surface level that touches them, that goes so deep, provides a rest 
so satisfying in their soul. So they found something that without batting an eye, without concern for the cost, notice there wasn't any incremental steps. They just went and did it. Immediately, with joy, they release everything they own in order to lay hold of what was found. We don't know how much the man or the merchant sold to obtain the field or obtain the pearl. Could have been a billion dollars. We don't know. What we know is that what they found was incomparable to what they had. So they exchanged it. They laid something down that they had to receive something else. And the kingdom of this world will promise you things every minute of every day. It will promise you that you can find satisfaction and will convince you that you can figure it out. You're just one step, just one promotion, just one degree, just one accolade, one achievement, one friend, one spouse from getting where you want to be. You just need this thing. We think fame, we think notoriety, we think money will get us there. We see people with money though all the time, all the time who haven't gotten there. And, and here's the, if I'm, again, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, I see people with money and I see how they, like, man, it's all at their fingertips. They get all got figured out. And there's a little voice inside of me that's like, if you had that money, you'd figure it out. Yeah, that's a, it's such a lie. See, God positions people all around us to help us see and learn from their mistakes and what they're going through so that we can grow, so that we can do something different. We're not the exception. Famous theologian Jim Carrey said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see it's not the answer. Josh Radner, who uh, leads a, he's a lead actor in a sitcom that many of you probably know of, How I Met Your Mother. He was, uh, he was speaking of his experience when his show uh, became successful and when he got picked up from CBS. He said this, he said, when CBS picked up uh, my show, an actress uh, asked me if I was happy all the time, as if this show getting picked up by a major network would give me unbridled joy And he said, the joke was on me because I actually thought it would. He goes on to say, many people think that getting famous will save you or give you the life you think you're owed and spare you certain indignities. I was pretty bummed to realize that rather than lessening or eliminating my least attractive qualities, it poured fertilizer on them. He's got fame, he's got notoriety, he's got money. He can go where he wants. He can have the experiences he wants. It's empty. An author on psychology today wrote this about celebrities, and I'm not picking on celebrities. It's just that we look at celebrities and we think, man, they have everything right there at their fingertips. Man, that's, and if we, we kind of want it. And this author of psychology today says, I want them to acknowledge that at the root, they're just like us. They're just trying to figure it out too though they may feel like they've finally reached full-on 100% authenticity, the reality is this, that it's just a feeling. We spend our lives continually struggling toward the elusive goal of authenticity. 
Now you're saying all these people, they're diagnosing the problem correct. They're all recognizing, man, money's not it. Fame isn't it. Experiences aren't it. Success and notoriety, that's not it. I've got those things still, still not satisfied. There's something for us to learn from that. Whatever that thing is that you think, okay, once I get there, then I'll be happy, then I'll be satisfied, then I'll be content. Learn from those around you who have gotten there and have not found contentment. Now they all go on to give you their advice, their self-help, their way of how you should cope with life in light of these things not being satisfied. But again, goes back to pride because pride tells us if we look hard enough, we'll figure it out. Jesus tells us something different. Jesus says, you're never gonna figure it out. Let me just save you the trip, he says. You're never gonna figure it out. You're never gonna look hard enough inside of yourself to find the satisfaction and the contentment. There's a different way. This kingdom of this world, that's what it tells you every day in every commercial and every tele, it's all there. It's what it's pouring over. But let me tell you a different way, he says. There's a kingdom not of this world. There's the kingdom of heaven. And in that kingdom, it's not about you discovering, it's about you receiving it's about you acknowledging that I can't figure it out. I need something outside of me. I need someone greater than me to help me out. Let's talk about the kingdom of heaven for a moment. What if I told you that in the kingdom of heaven, there isn't any shame? There isn't any shame because everything that you've ever done wrong is forgiven. Every lie you've told, every lustful thought you've had, every selfish ambition, forgiven. Your morality debt, wiped clean. And every morning you wake up, there is brand new mercy to be had for you. What if I told you that in the kingdom of heaven, bones don't ache? Fevers. Don't attack. Diseases don't spread. That one hits close to home for me. Wife chronically ill. Jesus says, in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of heaven, there is no disease. Every sickness wiped away. What if I told you in the kingdom of heaven, there's no secrets, no deception, no relational brokenness, only wholeness and restoration. What if I told you that in the kingdom of heaven, there's no death, no more mourning, no more heartache, no more confusion. That if you're old, your youth is restored. I'm only 39, but I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I don't feel old, but my body reminds me in the morning and my kids do. In the kingdom of heaven, you're satisfied every day by what is good. Every day you wake up knowing you are loved, knowing that you're precious, knowing that you were purposefully designed by a creator. What if I told you that in the kingdom of heaven, there is no time and that you have an eternity to enjoy all the pleasures and all the goodness and all the health and all the satisfaction? 
that there's nothing you have to squeeze in out of fear of missing out because it's forever. Doesn't that sound better? Doesn't that sound like a reality you would like to live in? I would. It sounds better. It sounds like a place I want to be. The man sells everything in his joy because it wasn't a sacrifice, because what he found was so much better than he could ever have imagined. What Jesus is telling us is that the kingdom of heaven is so much better. You think it's it, whatever you think you have to sacrifice, it's worth it. Whatever you think you have to give up, it's so much better than whatever you're giving up. It's better. So much better than any amount in the bank, than any experience, than any level of fame could give us. So with joy, the man, the merchant, they didn't calculate, they didn't weigh it out, they didn't second guess. They released everything. Jesus went around, he healed the sick. He liberated the mentally ill. He caused the lame to walk and the blind to see. And with it, he declared the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was giving us a foretaste of what it is going to be like. We get to experience it now. And that's the great news is today you can experience the kingdom of God. There are stories in this room. You have stories in this room of how God met you, saved you, healed you, moved powerfully in your life. It's the kingdom of heaven coming upon you today. And that's the beauty of, of being in relationship with Jesus as we experience it today. And we also have a future to look forward to where one day it's all gonna be made right. I get healed from being sick today. I might get sick tomorrow. But in heaven, in the end, when time is done, one day, there's gonna be a day where that will never even exist. The kingdom of heaven is a kingdom where things are restored. That's what Jesus went around doing. Everywhere he went, Jesus was restoring what we have broken down. It was with joy that Jesus went to the cross. It was with joy. How does someone go to the cross with joy? Because he saw, beyond, he saw and he lived beyond the cross. It was with joy that his disciples had their possessions plundered and were persecuted because they knew they had a better and eternal inheritance. Even if they suffer on this side of heaven, there is a time, there is an end when it's over. Time will give way to eternity. Brokenness will give way to restoration. Sickness will give way to health. Death will give way to life. That is the, what is going to happen. That's why the psalmist can write that weeping may tarry for the night. Today, you might be struggling. Weeping may tarry. You might be having a hard time today. But remember that with the morning comes joy. One gives way to the other. Suffering gives way to joy in the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is a brand new dimension. It's perfect in every way. There's only one problem. If the kingdom of heaven is perfect in every way, then the moment that you and I step into it, it becomes imperfect because we are imperfect. How can anything imperfect deserve something that is perfect? It can't. We can't. This is why the pursuit of being good enough is exhausting and discouraging. My prayer for you, if you are trying to be, trying to be a good person and a good enough person, 
My hope and prayer for you is that you lay that life down because you are going to burn out, work yourself, because you just can't do it. What is good enough? Here's what's gonna happen. You'll arrive to where you think is good enough or you'll constantly look at people who are not as good as you, but you're always gonna have that question. Is it enough? Is it enough? Is it enough? How can we deserve something perfect if there's any level of imperfection in us? I don't think any one of us honestly would stand up and say, I've never lied, never been selfish, never envied, never coveted, never lusted. Who can stand up and, and talk like that? In the kingdom of heaven, it is perfection. It is good all the time. And that's why we need Jesus. And Jesus steps onto the scene, fully God and fully man. And if he is lacking one of those elements, he cannot bridge the gap for us. He perfectly lived. He perfectly lived. There was no sin in him. He perfectly loved. He was good through and through. Never gossiped, never slandered, never lusted, never lied. Even to those who mocked him, despised him, and rejected him. And you got to think about that. How, how hard? I mean, come on. Sometimes we're like, okay, we can be kind to our friends. But think about someone who is actively slandering you. Going on Facebook and posting all about you. Saying all kinds of mean things about you. Lying about you. How many of you are turning to that person with love and grace in your heart? We want to match evil for evil. It's what we want to do. Jesus didn't do that. He was perfect. He loved his enemies. He was the only one who ever deserved to enter the kingdom of heaven. And what he chose to do was to have the punishment for my sin and your sin thrust upon his shoulders. See, he knew that was the only way, the only way we were gonna mend this discord between God and humans, between us, is that this, this tear that has happened from sin, from our choosing, our selfish ambition, the only way that he could satisfy the perfect justice of the Father is to have his wrath, wrath that is meant and directed towards us, poured out on Jesus. That's what he did. He said, I'm gonna stand in their place because if I don't stand in their place, if I don't stand as a sacrifice, as an atonement, they're never gonna be good enough. He went to the cross because all of us are not just kind of bad people. It's not that there's some really bad people, we're okay. No, no, no. He went to the cross because all of us are bad people who needed him. That's the truth. That's, at least that's what the gospel says. No one can stand up and say, I'm perfect and have never sinned. Only Jesus can do that. What did Jesus do? He says, Jesus emptied himself. He released what he had in heaven. He says he left heaven. He says he let it go. Even though he had every right and every authority, he was God on heaven. He says he, he emptied himself and he was walking alongside of us, enduring with us, and for the obligation set before him, he endured the cross. Doesn't say obligation, does it? What is it? For the, for the joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In an act of love for you and I, Jesus said, I'll take their punishment. And he received not only the physical pain of the cross, but he endured the turning away of the Father so that God will never have to turn away from those who receive Jesus as their savior. And that's the, the radicalness of the gospel is that for those who put their faith in Jesus, it says we are hidden in Christ. That's how we get in. That's how the imperfect enter the perfect. 
We're hidden in Christ, covered by him, his sacrifice atoning for us. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough for it. You can't do anything to get it. The only thing you can do is you can receive it. You have to release everything that you are clinging to in this world, in this kingdom, and you turn away from it so you can receive, enjoy the brand new life, the forgiveness, the purpose, and the love that God has for you. And when you receive his kingdom, the searching stops. Are you willing to release and fully turn though? So often we hear stuff like this and we're going down our path and we want to add God to what we're doing. Like, that sounds pretty good. I probably need a little Jesus in my life. Let me just, Jesus, I'm good with you. Why don't you just come? Like, this is where I'm going. Come with me. Let me, let me add you into what I'm doing. Help me out. I'll pray every now and then. There's a lot of people that add Jesus into their life, but that's actually not the way the kingdom of heaven works. See, the, the picture that this, these parables put forward to us is that these men are walking in this direction. They have all of their stuff. They encounter something. They let it all go so that they can have something else. And it's the same with Jesus. See, all of us have a God in our life. Every single one of us. May not be Jesus, but every single one of us have a God in our life. Sometimes we don't know what our God is. You can pull on that thread of what do you prioritize? What do you build your life around? What do you sacrifice for? Where do you spend your money? That's a good one. Find it, look at where you spend your money. That might show you where your God is. Could be all kinds of things. Family can be our God. Addictions can be our God, good and bad. All kinds of things can be our God. But there can only be one God. See, just, Jesus doesn't share the platform. And so what he calls us to do is he calls us to let go of everything that we have and to fully turn and trust him. And this is where the heartbeat starts like, all right, what's he gonna ask me to give up? Because I don't wanna give up some things. Well, then maybe you got a God you're identifying I don't know what God would change in your life if you lived fully surrendered to him. He has asked me to do things I, and to give up things I wouldn't have expected and wouldn't have known, couldn't have predicted. These men sold everything they had. You could be like, let me be clear about something. You can't buy your way into the kingdom of heaven. Let's just be super clear about that. You cannot, I'd be the same as earning it, working hard enough for it. You can't do it. What he's demonstrating for us is a releasing of what we have. What do you love? What do you love most? The thing that you love most is the God that's in your life. Where's your treasure? Where's your hope? See, Jesus had this experience where this rich young ruler came to him and he said, what do I have to do to have eternal life? How do I get into the kingdom of heaven, he says. Jesus says, go and sell everything you have. 
Now, it's not because, that doesn't mean if I go and sell everything that I have today, I'm gonna get into heaven. That's not what he's doing. He looked at that rich young ruler and he saw that what he loved in his life was his money. He loved his possessions. He says, you wanna come? You want the kingdom of heaven? What I have for you is better. What I have for you is the treasures in heaven don't compare to what you've acquired on this earth. This is, this is gonna pass away. Just go and sell it. Come with me. And the rich young ruler went away sad. Didn't do it. Not because he didn't do the task that Jesus wanted, but because he loved his money. My hope for you is that if God is pinpointing anything in your life that you're holding on to, or you're like, yeah, I want to follow Jesus like 90%, but I just am not ready to give up this 10%, for you to lay that down so that you can fully turn and walk with him. Not because it's the right thing to do. Not because you need to be a good, there's no even no such thing as a good Christian. There's just Christian, there's just not. You can't be, like a Christian is just, there's not like degrees of Christianity. You are the Christian or you're not. You're a Christ follower or you are not. Some people say they're a Christ follower, they're not. Listen, Jesus walked around and he ushered in with him the kingdom of heaven. He showed us what it was like through every, what the kingdom of heaven is like through every miracle and every word from his lips. So that what, that's why whatever he wants to displace in your life, he wants to displace it, not because he enjoys you having a hard time, but because he has something better for you. Do you believe that? That thing that you don't wanna let go, do you believe that God of heaven over all things for eternity might have something better for you. Like, this is why it's so important that we look at Jesus. When we get distracted, and it's easy to get distracted of who God is and what he's done and what he's like, look at Jesus. Look at what he was like. Look at the people that gathered around him. Look at the way that people were liberated and healed. It's better. What he has is better for you. I don't know the thing that he has. Maybe he's asking you to, but it's better. I know it's better. I know that where he wants to lead you is to a life of fulfillment and joy and peace and satisfaction. That is what he has for you. Circumstantially, I don't know what that means, but I know for your heart and your soul, that's what he has for you. It is better. The kingdom of heaven speaks a better word. It's a better invitation. There's an invitation every day from the kingdom of this earth. Come on, you can find it. You can, you're different from all those people. You're gonna figure it out. No. Let the God who is willing to leave heaven to empty himself, to die on a cross for you, to conquer death, to raise from the dead, let that God speak to you and show you a better way. My invitation for you today is if you've not known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to receive him as that today, to put your trust in him. It doesn't take a good deed. It doesn't take a formulaic prayer. It doesn't take a, a, an act of kindness in the community. It takes a heart that says, okay, I've lived life my way. I'm gonna let that go and I'm gonna turn and I'm gonna put my trust and I'm gonna follow Jesus and where he goes, I'm gonna go. And his promise to you is to make you brand new. Mercy, forgiveness, love over your life.
Maybe you follow Jesus for some time and you've grown heavy and weary. Maybe you're discouraged. Listen, we are prone to wander. We gravitate towards our own understanding and our own strength. As I get older, I don't, I'm not having the realization every year that I get older that like, I'm not as bad as I thought I was. As I get older, I'm realizing I am worse than I thought I was. Like the more, I need to stop looking in here because like what I find in here isn't often good. I find some more selfishness. I find some more pride. I find some more self-reliance. I find some more broken pieces that I need God to redeem. That's what I find as I get older. We need a savior. We need to remember that his mercy is new and it's fresh every morning, that his grace is sufficient for you today. Maybe you need to be reminded today that like you've been walking with him and you've just got your eyes off him and what he has for you is a life to be more than conquerors. Like he has a life of joy for you, of goodness for you. Does that mean there's gonna be happy days every day? No, but it means even in the midst of difficulty, you have joy. Your invitation is to live with an eternal perspective to remember that this is passing away. I don't know how long you'll have. Don't know how long God's got you marked on this earth. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 80 years. I don't know. But this is passing away. You live for this earth. You live for the treasures that this world has to offer you. And you'll spend your life looking for it, but you won't find it. Let's remember that he is God and he has begun a good work and he is faithful to finish it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Band's gonna come. We're gonna worship. Um, but I wanna invite you. I'm gonna pray for all of us, but I wanna invite you I'm gonna invite you at the end of my prayer to come forward and receive prayer. There'll be a team of people to my left and your right up here in the corner. And they're there, they just want, they wanna encourage you, they wanna speak truth over you. We believe that there is power in prayer, that God is moving and active and at work right now, today. Let's, let's pray, Lord Jesus, just thank you that you were willing to empty yourself and for the joy set before you, the love that you had for me, broken, foolish, weak me. Lord, every person in this room, Lord, you came so that we could hear and see the, the links that God will go to rescue us, to rescue us from our pride, to rescue us from our selfishness, to rescue us from the allure of the world, God, that says one day we'll figure it out. One day we'll get there. God, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to humble our hearts. Lord, I just pray for healing for everyone in this room. I pray for liberty. I pray for freedom. I pray for, ask you for peace, God. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us personally, individually. Lord, we wanna shift our perspective from momentary to eternal. Lord, I want those who don't know you, who are tr striving to be enough to receive the one who was enough. That's you, Jesus. You are the great treasure. Your kingdom is perfection. It's where we wanna be. Thank you for how we've experienced it. Today, we look forward to its fullness in the future. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. As the band plays,
feel God speaking to you any way, you need encouragement, you need healing, just make your way forward over here and, and uh, our team will pray with you.